Gilbo, how's it going, indie wrestling fans? Welcome to Indie Handshake. I am your host, Jesus Cruz, and today I am joined from Silicon Valley, Betty Briefcake. I was trying to do my best Alan Bolte impression there. <laughs> oh, you know what? I don't think anybody can do an Alan Bolte. <laughs> yeah, how are you doing? I'm good, I'm good. How are you? This is exciting. Yeah, I've never uh, done something on a podcast, so I'm excited. Yeah, yeah, no, thanks, thanks for the opportunity to, to have you on. Like, uh, we've been having... Um, you know, everybody from that era, from, from the late 90s, early 2000s, APW, Iron, Big Time Wrestling, you know, it's, it's all the stuff that I grew up uh, uh, not only watching, but actually like filming and taping. So I thought it'd be cool, especially now that we're in a pandemic and can't go to a wrestling show. It would be cool to show some of the stuff from that from that era. And you were a big part of that. And, and let's get started with just a general question of how do you got involved or interested in wrestling? And then how did you get involved and find APW? Well, I um, I was at the time at the time I was dating someone, and he said, uh, "Let's go on our first date to a wrestling show in Pinole. And I was like, "Okay," because I've been watching uh, WWE, or well, at the time it was WWF, and um, I was super into China. Like watching China on TV was the reason why I decided to get into wrestling. And I was like, she was like, I was like. Oh, I did a total marking out for her. Right. Um, and so we went to the ACW show in Pinole, and I was just like, I, I was like, I, I have to be a part of this. I really want to do this. So I contacted Roland, and, you know, at the time I couldn't afford to, you know, pay for manager training or anything. Um, so, you know, he's like, well, come, in, come into the office and talk to me. So about a couple weeks later, I go down to Hayward, and I wait in the lobby for two hours while Roland, you know, Roland, he does this, he was doing his thing. And I walked in and he goes, I know exactly what you're going to do. I was like, okay, like, you're going to be a manager for the Snot Brothers. You have that personality, you have that look and they're nerds. And I think you'd be perfect for it. I was like, okay. And so we arranged that I would do office work to earn my way, um, for manager training. And I, I probably did office work and I was already an admin assistant, so it was super easy. And I kept rolling organized with all his filings, you know, writing checks. And I remember writing checks to like John Cena and Samoa <laughs> Joe and um, John Cena. <laughs> <laughs> he was yeah. Yeah. So, right. um, um, yeah, and I just, you know, I worked there, I worked in the office for about a year, probably four nights a week I was there, you know, I didn't have any kids, I lived on my own, so it was easy just to be there all the time. Right, right. Every time I, every time I pass the Winton Avenue exit, I get a little emotional, I'm like, oh my god. That was yeah, yeah, Winton <laughs> and Cabot. Yeah. Uh, but so how did the uh, character come about, the baby, you think obviously he said, hey, you'd be perfect for them. And then what did the uh, classes, the managerial, managerial classes consist of and who was, who was uh, giving them? Um, the, the, so Betty, Betty Beefcake came about, um, we decided, uh, Roland's like, we need a name. This is, this was, I think, you know, a couple meetings after my first time I was there and he's like, we need a name. And he said something about Brutus the Barber Beefcake. And then I thought of Betty. And so we were like, okay, Betty Beefcake. It was like, it happened that quick. And you know, Vinny Massaro could have been a part of it. I, I'm not 100% sure, but 
I know he was um, part of like the character development. Mm -hmm. And uh, the manager training was like uh, Vinny, a, a lot from Vinny. Um, let's see, uh, Donovan, uh, Mike, Modest, and then, you know, the pros that were there. And, you know, it was just, you know, learning bumps, um, you know, taking a lot of heat. <laughs> I remember I had to get body slammed by delete. <laughs> that, Not you know, fun. At the time, I was 300 pounds, and he lifted me up in the air, like, like had me like this, and then just went. Oh man, how did how did that bump, how did that bump feel? Not good. I I did not bump well, and um, my whole left side was numb for a couple hours. Oh man. How yeah, often were you getting? How often were you getting in the ring and, and, and bumping around? Were you part of like a beginner's class? And and well, did you have to graduate that way? It was like no, I didn't do beginners. Um, it was more like a uh, like a manager's class, and um, it, it, there wasn't a lot of managers training with me, so I just got training when you know whenever I could, and it's been you know over 10 years so anything 10 years and ago is usually foggy <laughs> as yeah. I get older but I do I remember training with uh Sarah Amato mm -hmm. um because she started out as a valet I think for the west side players Nikki mm -hmm. um so it was just you know at least once or twice a week I do some manager training and learn bumps and I was a big baby when it came to pain, so. Mm. <laughs> so how, what was your experience about working with the Snob Brothers and some of your favorite moments um, that you guys had? There's, there's so many uh, great moments. Uh, one of my favorites was um, we had a match with uh, Delete, and I can't remember if it was Delete and Super Destroyer. I can't remember exactly who the other guy was. Um, but afterwards, I just, I picked up Seymour Snot, and I just threw him over my shoulder, and there's a pic, and I wish I could have found the picture, but the picture of me leaving the ring, he's flopped over my shoulder, and my, I'm just carrying him down the, down the, uh, down the aisle, like, holding him with one hand, and just like, like it was nothing, and that was, <laughs> <laughs> that was one of my favorite pictures, and it was so funny, because um, Mike, Seymour Snot, he was trying to tickle me, like, to make me laugh as we were walking out of there, and I was, like, trying so hard not to laugh, uh, but it was, uh, you know, the, uh, Seymour and Scott Snot were, they're always really good to me, and they always appreciated everything, and another favorite memory is, um, you know, we were the nerds, so I would pass out nerd candy to kids, and I contacted the Willy Wonka company now and I told it, sent them pictures. I told them what I did. And they sent me, I think, a year's supply of little packets of nerd candy. Oh, that's awesome. So I would just take, you know, I would have fill my pockets before a show. When I came out, I would just throw out these packets of nerd candy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that is really great. Yeah. And that's very good. Yeah, that's that's nice. very, was, you know. Yeah, it's very cool that you actually approached them. So you were thinking, you were thinking bigger for your character. You're, you, you know, you're contacting the Willy Wonka company and all that. So that, that's really great. And now they started adding more snots, much like the Dudley boys. And you brought in Peter Snot. 
I think Delete at one point was a snot brother, right? You know, I'd like to think yes, but I can't. I can't. I can't remember. I think he might have dressed up as a nerd once, but yeah, what they did is one show. They had um, all the beginners dressed up as nerds, and we probably oh, okay, had that's what it was. Something. I think yeah, somewhere. I can't remember where it was. There's so many shows. <laughs> <laughs> what were some of your places? Favorite places to do shows at? Um, I loved. Uh, I really like Pacifica. Um, of course, I loved uh, Vallejo and King of Indies because uh, that's my hometown. That's where I live. Um, let's see. You know, I did. I did enjoy King City because it was an opportunity to ring announce when I started. Um, when I stopped managing and started ring announcing, mm-hmm. you know, that first show in King City was like almost fifteen hundred people in there. So that was right. a fun, fun but nerve wracking time. Um, I don't know. I guess, you know, mostly uh, Pacifica. I really like going there and uh, doing shows there. And, um, so speaking of, 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 of oh, go ahead. No, I said there's one place up near Sonoma. It was an outdoor venue. That was a lot of fun too. So speaking of, of nerve wracking, you know, going from training, you know, uh, managers training through Vinny. And then, you know, probably you probably started doing, uh, uh, started performing first in the garage, but going to a King City, going to a Pacifica, going to a Mare Island, how did that feel for you? Like, oh shit, now there's more eyes on me. It was, um, it was, it was actually really, it, it, not, it was nerve wracking, but it was also really exciting to, um, you know, the very first show I was in, um, I jumped from the crowd and tried to intimidate um, Jason Dedrich and Terry Nicole Ash and, um, you know, just jumping out and jumping in the ring and seeing the crowd, hearing the crowd react to something you're doing was like, whoa, this is crazy. And it was, it was so much fun. And it was like an adrenaline rush. Mm-hmm. And, um, mm-hmm. You know, I miss that sometimes, you know, like the, the crowd, like cheering for you and then, or even booing, you know, just reacting the way, the way the crowd reacts to everything you do is just awesome. Now going back, I don't think I asked you, what year did you, did you sign up? What year did you start with them? Were you a part of their gym wars when they were doing gym wars regularly in the uh, mid to late nineties? Yeah, I did. I was, um, well, let's see, I started in 99. And then I left in um, early 2008. So okay. I did a lot of gym wars. I think I was managing for um, managing the snots for about four to five years. And then, you know, um, they, they both moved away. First, um, Scott Snot moved away to LA and then Seymour Snot, I think he's in uh, Pennsylvania, not, not 100% sure. And so then after they left, I started ring announcing for about a couple years. Okay. Now, one of your um, patented moves, one of your trademarks is the biscuits and gravy. Oh, looks like we're gonna see the biscuits and gravy. What is this? This is her move. And Betty keeps going. Oh! No! Oh, and he's giving it to Shane. Tell us how how that idea came about. 
So I, see, right now in my head, I'm, I'm getting the song, Back at Asso. <laughs> yeah, oh, well, you got to play that song. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I hear Whip It, Back That Ass Up, and then the West Side Playa song, I just, I get like all, I just think about all the old times. And um, anyways, the, the biscuits and gravy, it's so funny because I was sitting in the office with Vinny and Vinny's the one who came up with it. Um, he, me and Vinny and Roland were talking like, what could be my signature thing? And um, Vinny goes, how about the stink face? And I was like, oh my God, sticking my butt in people's faces. Like, <laughs> And at first he wanted to call it, he wanted me to do it in reverse and call it crotch candy. And I was like, <laughs> no way am I doing that. No, that's no. So um, no, I can't, I can't for the life of me remember exactly how the words biscuits and gravy came up. But we decided that we would do the sing face and it would be called biscuits and gravy. Like Vinny. Vinny's the one who came up with I have to give him all the credit for the biscuits and gravy. <laughs> oh, okay. That's awesome. And who was your favorite uh, heels to, to do that to? Oh, hands down, cheerleader Melissa. <laughs> I, <wrote laughs> in, I was writing in my notes um, uh, when I gave her the biscuits and gravy. I loved having matches with the Ballards and Melissa. It was always a lot of fun. Um, I loved right. um, energy when she came out with the pom-poms and everything, but so we were in Cloverdale, Cloverdale, and I know people didn't like, probably didn't like having my butt squished in their face. I mean, I wouldn't <laughs> want my butt squished in my face. <laughs> so she, um, she, she took it like a champ. And I remember um, uh, someone was saying, oh my God, Betty, you have lipstick on your butt. And it was cheerleader <laughs> Melissa's lipstick. And I was like, that's the best biscuits and gravy. Um, but um, other people who, <laughs> every time I gave it to Boom Boom Tamini a couple times, he'd always say, it's like, Betty, I'm going to bite your ass. <laughs> and I was like, don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> now you got that in your head, like, ah. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, Shane Dynasty took it a couple times. He, he did really well. And um, of course, Buddy Totello. <laughs> that was. He deserved it. He deserved every bit of that. Yeah, he sure did, that guy. <laughs> it's, it's so funny. In uh, one of the videos that we posted, the uh, APW uh, awards nominations for 2000, and it was great seeing you and Buddy Sattel and Shane Dynasty go at it in the comments. Like, it's, you know, it brought back a lot of, a lot of cool memories. Oh, yeah, uh, speaking, was... of, speaking of cool memories, uh, tell us some of your favorite memories how, and how was your relationship with Roland, which we could see in the back of your picture there. I know people have, you know, uh, uh, you know, a lot of things they could say about Roland, but how was your personal relationship with him? Um, it was, you know, it was really good. You know, he did get, you know, mad at me sometimes or I would get mad at him. And, but, you know, he never yelled at me. Um, you know, he got the, when he would, he would do this. That was the look. Glasses. <laughs> um, you know, it was a really um, special relationship because um, he just, you know, he was good to me. He would help me out when I wasn't doing well. Um, we would have, you know, we'd have really good talks and, you know, I wish I could have, would have kept more in touch after I, after I left, you know, we would text once in a while or call. Um, 
but you know, he gave me the opportunity to do something really great. And I'll never, ever forget that. And he, he believed in me and, you know, he, he's always like, you know, Betty, your picture is my, my uh, background on my computer. <laughs> um, I don't know. We, we just, we, any kind, the, the best times I remember with Roland are going out to eat after gym wars or shows, because that's when we could just sit and talk shit and just talk about the show or talk about old times. And um, those are my most memorable moments is um, just after the shows, just kind of just hanging out with him and, you know, getting to know him and, and you know, he could tell stories like nobody else. So they were all in Vegas for Cauliflower Alley. And then we had those um, push to talk phones because he, at one point he had a couple of us on his phone plan and we would just give him the money every month. And so it was a push to talk and I'm just sitting at home and suddenly I get this push button, Betty, Betty, <laughs> like what? And it was like him and a bunch of guys, like, I don't know if he was drunk I don't think, I don't, I can't remember if Roland drank much alcohol, but um, it was just hilarious going back and forth with him and some of the guys in Vegas. Um, you know, I know he had problems with other people, but Roland and I never really had an issue, you know, because I just, I don't know. Right. <laughs> there was times yeah. that would irritate me, but I would just, you know, I'll let it go. He could, yeah, you know, I would just think back, you know, he gave me this opportunity. I'm not going to even, you know, worry about it if he's mad at me for something. I'll just right. what the problem was and move on. Right. And how was the relationship with, uh, let's say, the other people in the picture with uh, the other valets, Julia, Melissa, Terry, Nicole, Ash? Oh, pretty good. They were, you know, we always um, supported each other, helped each other with our outfits, uh, makeup. Um, they, were, we were, they were always respectful. Um, I really miss Terry Nicole Ash. I I don't know where she is, where she's at in life. I would love to um, catch up with her if I could ever find where she is. Um, I see Melissa on Instagram, and um, she does a lot of she'll do um, cooking on Instagram Live. So I'll log on and say hi and um, tell her say hi to Jason. And you know, it was pretty good. It was never um, there was never any like that I can remember any weird moments or diva moments. Gotcha. Now, speaking of weird moments, uh, that was a time, 2002, sorry, 2001, where the split happened, uh, the APW iron split happened. What was your whole take on that? And what did you still keep in contact with a Donovan, a modest Vinny? Um, you know, I would, uh, not really. Um, you know, they left and I was, you know, I wasn't mad at them, but I was just disappointed that, you know, that all had to happen and we couldn't stay together as an APW family. Um, you know, I was asked, and I can't remember who, um, do you want to come to Pro Wrestling Iron? And I was like, no, you know, I'm loyal to APW and this is where I'm going to stay. Right. Um, you know, I was just disappointed that it had to go down like that. And I know Roland at the time was, you know, disappointed and you know, it was, it was a little hurtful, but, you know, they wanted to do their, I felt they wanted to do their own thing. So let them go do their own thing and, you know, keep it moving and APW kept moving. So, 
you know, I wish it hadn't happened and wished everybody could have stayed together, but you know, what are you gonna do? Right, right. It would have been interesting to see where everything would have would have gone if everyone would have still stayed, you know, but I mean, Modest and, and Morgan, it was inedible and Bison because they were spending all their time in Japan anyways. Uh, but yeah, it would have been interesting yeah. to see how, how it would have kept growing at, if it stayed with APW. Not that APW didn't grow after that because they did, they expanded. Talk to us about some of your favorite ribs that happened at the garage. I know when I interviewed Apollo Khan, he mentioned one that involved you. So tell us about that one and tell us about other other ones that, that uh, you were a part of. Well, you know, that one was, um, it, it was hilarious because Corey Carey had put a bunch of salt in Delete's food. Delete got pissed. And um, I can't remember. Uh, and then we put, then we did one of those things where you put a bucket and then when you walk through the door, the bucket falls in the water. So they blame, Corey blamed it on me. And so Delete made a bunch of curry sauce and I was standing right under the stairs and so all of a sudden this yellow curry just rained down on me and I got <laughs> so mad that I charged up Delete and got in his face, that seven foot tall face as much as I could. And I was yelling and cursing at him and all he did was look at me and go, <laughs> and pat him. <laughs> I was like, I was like, the stuff that came out of my mouth, I was so mad. And my Apollo said you like, look like yelling. one of the Simpsons. Yeah, yeah, I did, and I was yelling. You know, it it took a couple days to go away. <laughs> but I mean, I charged up there like I was going to kick his ass. Like, who's going to kick the leak? Some no, that's not, <laughs> not me. <laughs> so did you ever get um, him back? Otherwise, like a, a rib or something. Uh, no, I don't think I did because I was like, I don't want to have that same thing happening um, again. Um, another funny rib, um, there's this one beginner um, and he was like, he was very, a very serious person. He was so serious about wrestling. And um, so I told him, and, and I, I think a couple other guys backed me up. It's like, you know, you got to wear hot pants on your first day of training. So he showed up in hot pants. <laughs> I felt a little bad after afterwards because he was so serious about it and about training, and I could tell he was embarrassed. And I felt I did feel a little bit bad. <laughs> did he? Did he continue but, um, in the business? Um, I don't think. He, I mean, he did the. Uh, I think he made it to Central, but I think that that was about it. And I, I haven't heard from him in a long time. Okay, so it wasn't anybody that we would have known that that actually became pro. No, he didn't become pro. <laughs> so yeah, there. I mean, you know, so many ribs happen. It's hard to think of. Um, yeah, there's so there's so many. I mean, that's what made being at APW so much fun because like the ribbing and the joking around and you know, the pranks and, right. you know, it's like, it's like a family and I miss that. Sometimes I miss that. <laughs> yeah. Now you mentioned that this is actually your first podcast that you've ever been on um, wrestling wise, but tell us about uh, other opportunities that you've had 
being on television uh, through wrestling or being interviewed uh, for wrestling? Uh, well, the, the one of the most, two most memorable things are um, being picked to do the Malou, uh, outdo Malou segment. Um, I think they had originally were thinking of cheerleader Melissa, but I think she was, she had previous obligations or I don't know exactly why they decided to go with me. Um, but that was a lot of fun. And Roland let me do a lot of, um, you know, like ideas, like how do you want to, like, let's do this and, you know, like plan the segment. And um, I practiced for two weeks with Sarah Amato, um, which was a lot of fun. I missed her a lot. I'm so proud of what she's doing right now. Um, and the other one was um, Jason Dedrich got contacted by uh, Bust Magazine in New York and they wanted to do an article on a female wrestler. And so he's like, here's their information, you know, go with it. And so I contacted them and they did a little interview over the phone. And I was in, um, if I have the magazines like in my stack of magazines right around the corner here. Um, but they invited me, um, well, let's see, how do I explain it? So they did the interview and then this group called Punk Rock Aerobics wanted to um, do, some, do something with me, but they're in New York. And at the time I, you know, I had a very low paid job and I couldn't afford to go to New York. And all my coworkers chipped in the money for the plane ticket. And so um, there was an APW fan who had come out for King of the Indies and she offered to let me stay at her place in New Jersey. So I flew out there and I participated in some punk rock aerobic shows which were held in um, nightclubs during the daytime. And I got to tour the, the bus magazine offices. And uh, that, was, that was a lot of fun. That was, um, you know, I don't know, going, just going to New York. And it was, it was probably two years after 9-11. So I was really, you know, I was, really, I was a little scared to fly there. Right, right, right. No, those, I think those are the main, the main two um, opportunities. Um, I also, one time I went to um, a wrestling uh, WWE show in Sacramento with Melissa mm -hmm. and I got to um, go out to eat and visit with um, a couple of uh, female WWE wrestlers and I wish I can remember, I really wish I can remember their names right now, um, but it was really nice and you know, basically Melissa was like, you know, you don't unless you're spoken to so I was I was because that's that's just how it was back then now it might still be the same way um but so I was really quiet and they got in the car and I'm sitting in the front seat and I'm silent I'm like <laughs> we have WWE superstars in here like I'm not saying nothing and so yeah. one of them tapped on the shoulder okay so who are you <laughs> and I was like oh duh, duh. yeah um, I'm trying to think what else. I know, you know, there's so you many. Got, you guys had a, didn't you guys have Macho Man at one point at this, at this school? Yeah, that's right. I, you know, when I sent you um, some pictures, um, that was really awesome because 
I took a day off of work and I, you know, made like a little catering table and like helped set things up and clean up the gym. And he came, he came in, I, you know, and I, it was probably embarrassing for Roland because I was like totally marking out for him. <laughs> <laughs> what was he there for? He was, they were filming the Slim Jim commercial. Oh, okay. Garage. And um, I asked him if he could sign a picture. Um, and he's like, uh, I said, can you sign it to Betty Beefcake? And he's like, oh, does Brutus know about that? And I was like, <laughs> 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 um, yeah, that was, that was a lot of fun. I sent you, um, I think it's a picture of me, Macho Man, and Delete. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, you know, also working with Delete was a really good memory because he was just, you know, he looked like this big, scary guy, but he was just so nice. He was, he was just a really, he was just really nice, except when he was doing pranks. That wasn't so nice. <laughs> so when you, when you signed up, you know, going back to, to when you started, what were your goals? What did you want to do with, with, with wrestling? You know, I just, I wanted to be a manager. I wanted to support the wrestlers, like the, the like the ballets that I saw on TV. Um, and just, you know, get the crowd worked up and um just have a good time it was really i never really aspired to have a career and i know that if i wanted to have a career i would have done it um you know oh you know i would watch wwe you know while and i was like oh man you know should i just like really go for it and apply myself and you know be a manager and try to get and i was like "Mm, i'm happy here at apw um I enjoy what I'm doing and, you know, it'll just go as long as it lasts. And I really didn't want to, you know, become a full on wrestler because I saw what those beginner camps went through. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. The, uh, the Greg Thurston, uh, uh, conditioning classes and, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I ran, I ran to the stop sign once. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was insane because I have a couple of those filmed and it was just like, oh man, I'm glad I'm on this side of the camera right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, the uh, I, I had uh, a couple notes. Um, one uh, memorable thing was um, Uncle Al's birthday that we had at Roland's house in Fremont. And um, I can't remember if Darnell was there, but I know um, Brian and Sarah and uh, James Watkins and Robert were there and uh let's see i think i think that's it can't remember um anyways so we had an ice cream cake for uncle alan i know brian uh danielson wrote wrote about this in his book and we put i think he was turning 80 or something and so we put 80 candles on an ice cream cake (laughs) i mean it was like in flame so brian (laughs) rushed it outside and we poured water over it to get it out and it took a few minutes because that was 90 candles on fire and uh, <laughs> and I took pictures and you know when I find the pictures because I know I have them um I'll definitely uh scan them and send them to you um but you know we still ate that cake <laughs> there was wax all over it and water but it was ice cream cake we still ate it <laughs> Going to Cauliflower Alley banquets, um, those were a lot of fun because I got to meet, you know, a lot of legends, and I got to meet 
you know, um, Paul Bearer, which, you know, he's, I, he's one of, one of my most favorite, besides China, he was one of my most favorite um, managers in wrestling. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my local um, Vallejo Times Herald did a small article on me once, which was kind of, it was neat because my mom was over the moon about it. She, she didn't want me to do wrestling in the first place. City shows and she made Go Betty signs and I I still have those. Um, oh, nice! Yeah, she's like, I nobody better hurt my baby, and I'm like, <laughs> you know. And I, I remember when um, I think it was Peyton hit me with a yardstick. Oh, she was pissed. <laughs> <laughs> she tried to climb over the rails. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, and then oh, the the other thing was planning. Um, banquets and the Christmas gatherings. I really enjoyed doing that and like getting everybody together. And I remember one time we, we took down the ring and had a really nice party. Um, and then God, there was one, one beginner and Sean Thompson, he brought the bet him, his, his, the person he was with at the time brought the best salad bar ever. Anytime I think you see his name on Facebook, I'm like, oh, salad bar. <laughs> <laughs> salad bar boy. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us some of your favorite road stories. You know, driving to a King City, going to a Pinole, going to a Mare Island. Yeah, I um, uh, I remember driving to King City with uh, Dina. Remember Dina, referee Dina? Yes. Dina Massaro. Dina Massaro, yeah. They're actually really close friends now and. She just moved to Vallejo, actually, so she's only five minutes away. And I just saw her in the grocery, local grocery store yesterday. So um, she's a r- really good friend of mine. And um, I remember we were driving to King City with some of the uh, little people wrestlers. And the reason why I say little people is because at work um, a couple years ago, I was someone we were planning um, a summer picnic for these a couple divisions. And so we have a person from me, two people from my division and two from another. And my, my friend started talking about wrestling. And one of the ladies asked me, what was your favorite moment of wrestling? And I told about um, the match that I was um, managing Larry. And, you know, we, we, it was with two little people and we were tossing them back and forth. Well, I, I had said the M word. I'm not going to say it out loud because it's just, you know, I don't want to, anyways. Um, so I said that, and apparently this person, um, it really affected her because she has a sister who's a little person, and she felt offended that I said the M word, and, you know, I felt really bad because I wasn't trying to, you know, make her feel bad. That's just, I didn't know it was not PC to say that word. We had, after the match, and um, one of the little people, um, I guess he didn't do what Roland asked him. And Roland was like, you're not going anywhere until I get an explanation or something like that. And the little person's like, I gotta go, my balls hurt. I gotta get out of here. And Roland's like, you're staying right here. Like they got a big argument. Oh, wow. Um, And then the King City one, we were driving with the little people, Dina's car overheated. So he's, he's sitting there, pops the hood, he's working on the car and fixing it. And people are like, 
coming around taking pictures because there's a little person fixing someone's car and I'm thinking uh, it's a person fixing the car like does it, does it matter if it's the, if they're little or not and, right uh, right uh, another one was driving down to Southern California with uh, Larry and James Watkins. That was a hoot. <laughs> and just, I, I love, I love those that road trip because they have so many stories. Like I could listen to, to stories all day from Larry and James. Um, mm. And then, you know, a lot of shows I, dr- I just drove by myself or, you know, I'd pick up a bunch of beginners Um I would always try to drive the truck and they would never let me drive the truck. (laughs) I always like, can I drive the truck? No, 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 no. One of the guys are going to do it. I was like, come on. (laughs) And I got to move the truck and back it up to the garage floor once. (laughs) I hated driving these damn things. Oh, I I loved it. I thought it was fun. I drove the moving truck. I, I hit something all three times that I've that I've driven for for processing iron. <laughs> <laughs> Talk to us about because uh, I had him on here and it was cool because a lot of people hit me up. Talk about uh, Max Marquez. You got to work with Max Marquez referee a lot. I love Max. Love him. He was like every time I feel like every time I got in the ring and he was refing, I'd give him a hug or something. Um, but he is just the sweetest guy ever. And he had a really good work ethic. He's a really good referee. Um, he taught Dina well. Um, I, I mean, I don't know what else I can say, but he's just a really nice person. And I recently uh, reconnected with him um, uh, about probably summer of last year. I found an old business card that he'd given me. Um, and I texted the number and and he called me and we talked for like an hour and um he's just a he's just a really good stand-up guy and I wish I could you know I wish there wasn't a pandemic you know Dean and I were gonna try try to go and have lunch with him but it just you know right right yeah no we had we uh we were lucky to get him and interview him and it was so funny because yes he's a really nice guy he even like afterwards he's like oh my god I forgot to thank uh Dina I forgot to thank you know all these people and it was just bothering him which goes to show you know his character um but yeah i know max is a great guy tell us about any crazy fan interactions that you've had or seen during during the show um you know the one thing stands out um we were in uh pacifica and it was the first time that my feelings got hurt from a fan because i was walking out with the snots and this nine-year-old pardon my language he goes go home you fat bitch and I was like oh my god like this kid's nine and I came back and I was I was bawling and Roland's like Betty just let it roll off your back he's just a stupid shit and I was like I was like I can't believe him not like why would he talk to me that way and it's like he, he Roland's like it's not a reflection of you as a person it's just you know that's people heckle and oh man that bothered me for so long um but I did you know I didn't have a lot of crazy fan interactions um one time I was at a concert in San Francisco and um this little kid and his mom recognized me from going to APW shows and that was kind of neat because I was just there hanging out with friends and 
nothing wrestling related. Right. And this kid was like, I think I was selling merchandise for my friend's band who was playing. It was out in the in the in Golden Gate Park, and he was like, "Oh right. yeah, Eddie Beefcake from APW," and I was like, "Oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> that was fun." But I never really had any crazy band thing. Right. Yeah. No. Uh, <laughs> just looking looking at these tapes, going through them, man, the crowds were brutal back then. Back back in the you know late nineties early 2000s it's like the stuff that people were yelling i was like what the fuck is wrong with people but right i mean yeah i know i heard a lot of weird stuff and bad stuff and you know i figured well you know especially after that fan that nine-year-old kid yelled at me like that i was like well you know maybe they're just wanting to be kind of part of the show so they're just gonna yell out whatever the hell they want and right Get, like get into it and get all excited about it and right you know. uh, have you had any embarrassing moments in the ring I know you talked about the lipstick from from cheerleader Melissa but have you had any other things that you're like not embarrassing <laughs> <laughs> um, the, you know I didn't really have uh many embarrassing moments but the one time I had these I was decided to wear these boots and they were five inch platform boots with flames up the side when I was being Mistress Betty ring announcing. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you, yeah. Okay, and that's then, coming back to me. Yeah, I get out, of, I start to step out of the ring and I take one step down the stairs and then I just start falling because I'd missed a step. And you know who caught me is Licorice Joe. He prevented me from probably breaking a leg or something. And it was so embarrassing because it was the first time the person I was dating at the time had seen me in the ring and doing ring announcing. And I go back there and I'm like, oh, I told Gabe, I was like, oh, I'm so embarrassed. I can't believe that happened. He's like, oh my God, don't worry about it. <laughs> and then um, after that, no, no, no real embarrassing moments like in the ring or, you know, ring announcing or at a show. So how, how, how did you do that transition from valet to ring announce and tell us about the Mistress Betty character? Well, so um, Scott Snot um, moved away to LA and then uh, Peter Snot, uh, not Peter Snot, Seymour Snot left and there was no really, there, they didn't, Roland didn't really have anyone for me to manage. And so I would just help, you know, behind the scenes at shows, do the merchandise and you know, Jim Morris just like help coordinate thing and help type up the booking sheet and, and all that stuff. And um, one day, it was about 10 minutes before the show. Um, I can't remember exactly what happened, but Donovan's like, okay, Betty, you're going to ring announce. I was like, what? I don't want to ring announce. I was just wearing like street clothes. I didn't have it. And I was like, I don't want to be a ring announcer. I, Cause I, I you know, I don't want to get there and speak in front of all these people. He's like, now go. And I was like, so I got note cards and I wrote, you know, I would always write the booking sheet on note cards so I wouldn't have this big piece of paper. Um, and I got in there and I did it and I was so nervous and I, oh God, it was, it was terrible that first show I ever ring announced. It was horrible. Um, was it at the garage? Yeah, it was at the garage. Um, and then it started getting, you know, a little bit easier to, to, to do and um, I can't, I think it was Roland who was like said Mistress Betty I don't know I don't remember how that came up 
um, but they decided to be Mistress Betty, and so I would wear like, you know, corsets or leather jackets, or um, you know, sometimes I would wear a suit. Um, but I just never, you know, it was fun at times, and then at times it was nerve-wracking because I was always told you got to project your voice and you know, you, you just got to be louder on the mic. And I just didn't have that um, as a ring announcer, you know, like I hear some female ring announcers on the, on the TV now, because my husband watches wrestling all the time. And I listen to them and I was like, why couldn't I make my voice like that? You know, and I ring announced for three years. So um, it was a good experience. Would I ever ring announce Again, I don't, I don't know. I know after I'd left APW a couple times, I uh, ring announced for Icebox. Um, for OWA? And that was, what, uh, um, that's actually an embarrassing moment because they didn't have a wireless mic. And so I had to ring announce from the side because the mic cord wouldn't fit. And that was really, I felt really embarrassed because I couldn't really, you know, just, okay, I'm just going to stand here. Um, but I mean, I love, I loved working for Icebox. Um, yeah, just, you know, ring announcing just, it, it was cool for a while, but, um, I just, you know, I felt like I just wasn't a good ring announcer. I didn't have that projection. And, um, I remember just before a show, um, they said, okay, you're going to co-ring announce with this guy, it was like the day before or something. I was like, who's that? And it was um, Justin, remember Justin Roberts? Not really, no. Well, he ring announced for APW for a couple shows. I know we co-ring announced some gym wars and he did a show up in Sonoma. Um, and now he's um, a ring announcer for, I think is it AEW? Oh, okay. Um, anyway, so they're, yeah, we're going to co-ring announce, and then, and then they just said, okay, you know, after three years of ring announcing, they just said, Roland and Gabe were like, we're just going to have so-and-so do ring announcing now, and so that, I was like, oh, okay, and so I really didn't have a role and felt needed mm -hmm. at APW, so that's why I decided to just kind of go my own way and that way, you know, I never had a definitive moment where I said, okay, I quit. Yeah, yeah. So, so were you there, uh, had Roland passed by this time or was Roland still, still alive? Um, you know, there just wasn't anything really for me to do. Um, so I just kind of stopped coming around and I would keep in touch with Roland and, you know, texting and calling, um, you know, you know, it just wasn't. You know, it just wasn't something I was interested in doing much anymore. Um, right. But, you know, I did keep in touch with Roland. And then when, you know, Shane called me, you know, Shane, remember Shane Mai? Yes. He's a really close friend of mine. He's like my brother. I love that guy so much. Um, I remember when he called me and said, Roland passed. And I was like, you're fucking kidding me, right? You're lying. Mm. And he's like, no. And I know Roland's, you know, health wasn't the best. And I would always tell him, you know, you got to stop drinking those mocha frappuccinos because he was diabetic like I am. He's like, you can't drink that stuff, Roland. It's like, God, those things got like 60 grams of sugar in it. Mm. 
Well, I think Marcus Marcus is doing an incredible job um, continuing on that that um, that role of legacy. I mean, it's just incredible what he's done, and to have an APW show at the Cow Palace was like, mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't go to many wrestling shows. I mean, every once in a while, I might might have gone to a Daily City show. And, um, you know, because I just wasn't into to wrestling much anymore. You know, I did keep in touch with some people, but um, just, I was like, I have to go to this Cow Palace show. And just being right. there and seeing that, you know, here's APW at the freaking Cow Palace. Right. And I was so proud of Marcus and, and of him, you know, keeping that legacy going. And I know, I know Roland would be really proud of him right now. I'm sure he right. is. Um, I don't think, you know, so, you know, things change all the time, but, you know, as far as, you know, keeping the APW name and, I mean, I think Marcus has just done an incredible job. You know, what's so funny is um, my daughter, Molly, likes to play wrestle on the bed. And one time we were uh, messing around and I was like, Molly, the crusher palky. And she came out just, doing wrestling so i'll pick her up and flip her around and nice and i'll I'll say stuff like try to do a promo and i'm like (laughs) i can't so what is obviously she's probably seen some of your tapes or or some of your old matches like what what does she think about that well she hasn't really uh she hasn't really seen um any like I haven't really showed her any matches. Um, like I was, I've been trying to find that Malou Nubla segment segment so I can show her. Yeah. But I've given her. I have um, Mistress Betty stickers that I made like on the computer like a long, long time ago. Mm-hmm. Got them like pasted in her room, and then I also have a Mistress Betty lunchbox, and I swore to my husband I said I'm going to make her take this to school, and I'm not even going into school. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool, though. Mommy did wrestling, and um, you know, I show her pictures. Like, oh, mama. (laughs) That's funny. That with her because now I think about it. You know, how much I miss the like the family aspect of APW. Um, I kind of wish that I, you know, maybe stuck around a little bit and just you know done behind the scenes work, but. You know, I was, you know, at the time when I left, I was working like two or three jobs and I just moved in with my now husband and I was like, you know, it's time to, to move on. And, you know, now if I had the opportunity, you know, if Marcus was like, hey, Kelly or Betty, you know, do you want to help me with this? I, I would definitely uh, love to help out and something with wrestling again. Yeah, that'd be, that, actually, that was going to be my upcoming question. If, if you would come back to the business in, in, in any in any sort of way. And um, so just to kind of wrap up a little bit, what, you know, from when you started, you know, you, you're, you're brand new, you're, you're breaking into the business. What did you find disappointing about it uh, from the time you started to when you decided to, to retire? Um, you know, there, I didn't, I felt like a, a, there wasn't a lot of women in the business and I felt it was, more of a male oriented business. And I felt that, you know, women didn't get a lot of respect 
as being wrestlers and, and being part of it, uh, you know, I felt respect from Roland and, you know, a few other, a few other people um, because they know that I, I worked hard and I, you know, I was loyal and I'll, I'm still loyal to APW. Um, that'll never change. Um, but I think the biggest disappointment was the lack of women in wrestling and, you know, the lack of respect for, you know, females in the wrestling business. Um, now it's definitely changed. Um, you know, there's more female wrestlers who are actually really good. And it's interesting because when you see a really good female wrestler in WWE, you're like, Sarah trained her. So I know they're going to be good. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's uh, you know, Sarah's one person I wish I could uh, reconnect with because we had a really good friendship and then, you know, it kind of um, uh, faded out a little bit after she went to Japan and just kind of took off doing her thing. Um, but yeah, I can, I can see that she's, you know, she's a really good trainer and you, you could tell. Yeah. Any uh, any parting words? Anything you want to say to your to your peers, to your fans? I have fans. <laughs> of course. Um, you know, I just want to uh, you know say for you know thank you for the support when I was you know with APW and um, I really I really appreciate it because it was it was more than I ever initially had, had imagined when I first started. And I'm really grateful for the opportunity um, to have done that. And I, you know, I would always thank Roland, like, you know, thank you for letting me do this. This is so much fun. And, um, you know, and the fans are great. The one, the ones who weren't heckling me. <laughs> you know, and Licorice Joe, like the number one APW fan, like was always so awesome. And, you know, um, I hope I get the opportunity, you know, I don't know if I had, ring announcer maybe managing but i don't think i would ring announce again because i hate the sound of my voice on the microphone <laughs> you gotta do a snob brothers reunion i would do that in a heartbeat in a heartbeat if they came back i would go to the thrift store and find some plaid pants and i'd be it put my hair in pigtails and go <laughs> we need to we need to pitch it to marcus mack we need to make that happen once everything is, is back oh that to somewhat normal yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you, Betty Beefcake. Thank you for doing Indie Handshake. And I hope this was a good experience for you. Like you said, this is your first podcast, so. Awesome. You know, it'd be fun is to get a bunch of people or something and do like a big To do a round table. Yes. Oh, I would love to do that. And I, you know, I just want to thank you, Hicksies, for having me on here. It was really fun to kind of relive wrestling memories. And um, it just, it just makes me appreciate it that much more and my experience and you know, I can't wait to, you know, till APW starts back again, because I'm definitely going to take my daughter to more shows. I took her to one show. It was, it was an all-female card for BTW. Mm. And she, she loved it. I mean, she loved it too, so, but she loved it. So I can't wait to, you know, be able to take my daughter to an APW show. Like, I, that's going to be mm. so much fun. I'll be front row. Yeah. Maybe not. Well, let's hope that day comes soon. Thank you, everybody, for watching In the Handshake. I've been Jesus Cruz with Betty Beefcake. We'll catch you next time.